Today's episode of Sweeten Up Podcast is brought to you by Andy Sachs and Around Town Real Estate, a family-owned real estate brokerage with all the reach of those other guys, but with a commitment to bring local back to local real estate. Located in my beautiful hometown of Newtown, Connecticut, Around Town Real Estate is the go-to for all of your real estate needs, covering much of Fairfield, New Haven, and Litchfield counties. Give them a call today at 203-200-0851. Again, that's 203-200-0851. Or check them out online at aroundtownrealestatect.com. Thank you to Andy Sachs and his team for being our first sponsor of Season 3. And now, let's start the show. everybody what is going on i hope everyone is doing well staying warm and welcome back yet again to a brand new episode of sweeten up podcast season number three episode number 104 our first episode of 2023 as always i am your host jeff spencer and thank you so much for taking some time to join me today i greatly appreciate it whether you have for multiple seasons an entire year or you are today for the first time Thank you so much for listening. However, if you are just listening for the first time, take a look back at our library of 103 episodes anytime you want, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. As always, if you like what you hear on the podcast today and you would like to hear more, please be sure to tell all your friends and subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts so that you never miss a future episode. The podcast is available on all major podcast platforms, and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Sweeten Up Podcast. With that being said, my guest on the podcast today is a Connecticut legend, the great and powerful Dennis House. Named one of the 12 most influential people by Hartford Magazine and recently best anchor by Connecticut Magazine, native New England and Emmy Award winning Dennis House is one of the most experienced and highly regarded broadcast journalists in Connecticut. Dennis can be seen co-anchoring the 6 and 11 o'clock newscasts with Ann Nyberg weeknights on WTNH-TV, Connecticut's ABC station. While at WTNH, Dennis has broken many stories, including a secret plan to downgrade the University of Hartford's athletic program to exclusive interviews with Vice President Kamala Harris and reputed mobster Robert Gentile, whom the FBI suspected was involved in the biggest art heist in world history. From 1992 to 2020, Dennis was at WFSB-TV, Channel 3 CBS, where he anchored the morning news for two years before moving to the evening news where he was a mainstay for more than 25 years. He also hosted the critically acclaimed Face the State for more than a dozen years. Dennis's work over the years led to many changes in state government and campaigns, and his interviews were often picked up by local and national media organizations including the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, Politico, NBC, and others. I was so excited to chat with Dennis inside of the WTNH studios in New Haven. What a total blast and what a fun conversation. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, my friend and a broadcasting icon, the great Dennis House. Joining me on the podcast today here in New Haven, Connecticut at 8 Elm Street at the WTNH News Channel 8 Studios, it is the biggest honor of a lifetime to be sitting across from an absolute broadcasting legend here in the state <laughs> and beyond. You know him well. He's the great and powerful Dennis House. And Dennis, thank you so much for this opportunity to come to your dojo, um, a place that I've watched <laughs> for years and years and years as a kid and now you know as an adult. And uh, what a great experience. Thank you so much. And how are you doing, my friend? Well, I'm doing well, Jeff. And thank you so much for the nice wind up and the lead in. <laughs> of course. So great to be here and such an honor to be in your podcast. Thank you. I mean, uh, this is so cool, you know, driving down to New Haven. I haven't been here in a little bit. It's a city that is near and dear to my heart because it's just such a great place. There's so many things to do here. 
and the food and the music and the vibe and, and the culture, everything. The food's and then, amazing. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then, you know, the pizza. And then when we got WTNH and we got Dennis House and Ann Nyberg <laughs> and just all the legends that are here and Joe Fury. And it's just, it's so cool to be sitting here uh, amongst all you guys. And one place I want to start is how was your 2022? How was the, the end of the year? Do you have some highlights from 2022? And what kind of start has 2023 gotten off for you? 2022 was a great year. A lot of good things happened. Uh, I had a lot of interesting stories that I covered here at WTNH. I got to interview the vice president. Kamala Harris was in town. I interviewed her. Saw uh, that. <laughs> broke a few stories. Uh, had fun with my wife and kids. We had some fun vacations. I coached my son's football team. And uh, so it was, it was really a lot of fun. We had a good year. That's awesome. And that interview with Vice President Harris was, was really great. And um, I remember watching that and thinking, man, that's so cool being able to talk to the vice president, get her take on things, why she's in the state and just, you know, other matters as well. And that must have been a really great opportunity. It really was. And I, you know, I always tell people because people say, hey, what was your favorite interview? And it's not always the famous people. It's not always the elected officials or the celebrities. Sometimes it's someone every day who's out there working. I interviewed uh, some uh, people who own businesses that I didn't know much about. Pete Rapoccio from SignPro okay. is a business in Plantsville. Yeah. And little do you know, this guy in Connecticut started in his parents' house, right? When he was a teenager, created this big business. Now they do the signage on Amazon buildings, restaurants, Yukon, the Yard Goats. It's amazing. So that was an interesting story. We interviewed the CEO, the president of Sikorsky Aircraft, as they introduced a new helicopter. So that was a lot of fun. Very cool. Too, so. Yeah, and it's cool to have Sikorsky around because they do a lot of cool things. And it, it's very interesting, you know, to a layman like me. <laughs> it really is. And I went to Otis Elevator. Cool. In, uh, well, they're headquartered in Farmington, but right. their test elevator is in Bristol. Bristol, right, near, we, near ESPN, right? Yeah, and yeah. we learned so much about that. We also went to ESPN and went to Bristol. I mean, I, I go to so many towns during the course of the year, Hartford, <laughs> Merritt, and Bristol. Uh, That's awesome. I get to interview the mayors of all the towns and cities, so I really enjoy that. That's very cool. That's very cool. And it's it's really cool having so many awesome business here, uh, especially like Otis and ESPN and everything like that. We're lucky here in Connecticut. There's a lot going on and a lot of really cool companies that have made their their mark here. There really are. There really are, Jeff. There's some amazing companies, uh, old ones too. I mean, I went to the Travelers this past year in downtown Hartford. They yeah. started in like the 1850s. And you think about that, you know, it was really just amazing yeah. uh, that these companies still exist after all these years. There are some stores that have been in business for a hundred years. I went to a store uh, in downtown New Haven uh, that makes like stamps and prints and all that. And they've been around since the Civil War. It's just Remarkable. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And I saw recently you were at a toy store that you said was near and dear to your heart. Yes. Talk to me about that. So that's the toy chest in West Hartford Center. And it's closing after 66 years. You know, mm. it's a it's a tough business to be in because so many people buy things online and at the big box stores. But the toy chest was amazing because, um, so 66, what does that take us back to the 1950s? Pretty amazing, right? Yeah. But we would always go there for not only our kids, but our kids' friends for birthday parties. We'd stop cool. there. It was, it was always a Saturday morning. We'd stop by, <laughs> we'd get a gift. Uh, Ed and Fred who worked there, they knew what the kid already had sometimes. And they wrapped it and they would write the the kid's name on it and some really cool penmanship. So nice. there aren't many of them left. I know that there's a mottos in Middletown and there's pinwheels in Glastonbury. There are a few toy, sto toy stores around the state, but if you get a chance to go to these mom and pop stores, they really are the fabric of our state. Oh yeah. Always support local business. I always try big to. Big on yeah. that. I'm big on that. Yeah. There's <laughs> a little restaurant, uh, Steve's place in Newington that I like. It's uh, got some old whalers stuff in there and just, you know, as you travel around the state, you're going to find these things. You always show love to the OGs and the small businesses and I love it. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I, I, you know, the Griswold Inn in Essex. <laughs> yes. Love that place. There are little places you don't think of. Uh, there's a Turkish restaurant right in Waterbury, the side of the highway. That's just amazing. So just look around, you know, explore Connecticut. Stop in a town and say, I'm going to find out what's new here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been to all 169 towns and that's awesome. I like to visit them. <laughs> That's very cool. And I couldn't agree more. Definitely get out there and, and really explore Connecticut, um, not just the cities, and but the small towns and the rural areas, because that's, you know, that's also a major part of the state. I couldn't agree more. So Dennis, sort of take me back, you know, where you're from. Talk to me about your childhood a little bit. And, you know, when you were young, did you ever have aspirations to be where you are today? Or was that something that kind of matriculated later in your life? So let me start with your first question. So I grew up in Norwood, Massachusetts. My mom uh, is, uh, well, she's still 
uh, semi-retired. I guess she still sells a few houses now and then. She's a realtor. Cool. My dad, who has since passed, uh, was an engineer for Raytheon, which is a big company. Yeah. And he worked there for many, many years. So Norwood is a small town outside of Boston, about 12 miles south of there. I was a fourth generation Norwoodite. My uh, great-grandparents were the first to come there. They were Italian immigrants. And uh, on my mom's side, my mom, my grandfather's name was Crescenzo Culey. Nice. So that's why we lived in Norwood. And um, went to Zavarian Brothers High School, which is in Westwood, Mass, and Assumption University in Worcester. But when I was younger, I'd have to say as a kid, you know, we'd play you know, baseball in the backyard or something like that or throw the football around. And we would pretend to be announcers. And so that was kind of my first taste of what that would be like. And then I remember watching the blizzard of 1978 on television, wall-to-wall coverage. And some of the other, you know, the World Series and things like that. I'd watch news a lot when I was a kid. So I really just had an appetite for it at a young age. I was a paper boy. My brother and I had a paper route delivering the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald. And I would read those papers as I would walk around the neighborhood or, you know, so, so I kind of knew what was going on. Gotcha. That's very cool. That's, that's awesome. I, I love that area of Boston. It's, it's, it's really, it's really nice. cool. Yeah. yeah. It's very cool. I have some friends up there. Um, one of the producers of our show, Morgan, uh, he lives up that area, sort okay. of like, like Newton areas, yeah. you know, things yeah. like that. We're not far from Newton. Yeah. It was a rival town to Norwood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's super, super cool. So talk to me about, um, the first time you dipped your toe in the, the broadcaster journalist water, so to speak. So, uh, I, after college, I was looking for a job, and you know, TV was tough to break into back in back in the '80s. It wasn't what it is today, where there's so many options and so many channels. There oh yeah, were fewer jobs, and they were tougher to get. So I uh, enrolled in classes at Emerson College to work on my master's degree, and I ended up getting an internship in Providence, Rhode Island, and. I loved it from the first day. I just absolutely loved it. I loved going out with the reporters and seeing what they were doing. I loved the energy of it. I loved the the shouting across the newsroom when news was breaking. And the you know back in those days in the eighties we had teletypes. Wire services spewed out stories. So those yeah you know, there was more ambient noise in a newsroom that was kind of cool. Um, you know they were always spitting out something, and then the typewriters were you know clanging, and so it was and I just I, I was sucked into all of it. And one day on a Saturday, I was working with a photographer and there was a fire at a dentist's office on an island in Narragansett Bay. And he only used it during the summer. He'd have patients out there. And it was on fire and we had to get out there. And uh, so I went, you know, we found this guy with a boat. He took us out there and there we were. Um, and I'll never forget it. We, it was a beautiful day and we were heading toward this fire. And I was with the photographer and I'm thinking like, this is kind of cool. So I, I, I kind of liked covering news, particularly breaking news. So after that, I worked behind the scenes in Manchester, New Hampshire as an assignment editor. Now, the assignment editor is the one who assigns all the stories, decides what's going on, right? Uh, you're going to do this, and you dispatch the crews when news breaks. You have to move them and, and, and the whole bit. So I did that. And at night, after my shift was over, and it was, it was a long day, I worked 12-hour shifts, I would go out with reporters and um, you know work on my own reporting. This stuff didn't air, but I would put together a tape and then I sent it around the country. I remember I sent out like 30 tapes. Very they were cool. they were expensive to send out back in the day. Yeah, they, I can they, imagine. <laughs> you know, um, it was like $3 to send each one unless you had to buy them. So right. and I wasn't making much money. So I sent out 30 and that was it. And uh, I ended up getting a job in Rockford, Illinois. Wow. As my That was my first news anchor job in Rockford. Uh, worked for WREX, uh, the ABC station. I think it's NBC now. And I was the weekend anchor. And then I went to um, Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo to work for the CBS station there. And then I came to Hartford to work for Channel 3. And now I'm at Channel 8. Very cool. So that's kind of a- That's awesome. In a nutshell. Because I remember I commented on your post last week. You were talking, are you a native of Connecticut or are yes. you a transplant? So, so you know, very cool that you were in all these different spaces and ended up here. And we're, we're so, I think we're very lucky for that. I well, mean. thank you. And, 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 and I'd have to say that I'm lucky to be here because it really is a state that, you know, I've met my wife here. We've raised our kids. So we really, this is home for us. And we really love it. Gotcha. That's awesome. So talk to me about the first day when you were in Hartford and you started working at News Channel, uh, News Channel 3. WFSB, uh, just, you know, what was that like? And were you immediately a broadcaster or, um, or, yes. or did you sort of work? Okay, gotcha. So I, as I mentioned, I was a weekend anchor in Rockford, Illinois. And, and you know, not to toot my own horn, but but I think I did some pretty good work in Rockford. I, I was, uh, um, I worked hard. I was industrious. I was creative. And I always tried to get the story that I possibly, you know, the best story I possibly could. And one example of that is when they were opening up Ronald Reagan's boyhood home to be a museum. 
Oh, in Dixon, Illinois. Okay, uh, I got s- sent to cover that, and uh, he he was there, and they came over and they told you know said no interviews with the president. Um, he's going to go in the house. You can stand behind the yellow line the whole bit, which is what we did. So anyway, I thought to myself after a while, he's probably going to go to his backyard because I would want to see my childhood backyard, right? Yeah. So my photographer and I went around there. We waited in the backyard and sure enough, he came out the back door and, and I got an exclusive little one-on-one with him, a couple of questions. <laughs> no way. And so that was kind of fun. Wow. Um, and then I went to Michigan and, you know, again, I, I, I uh, you know, got an award for a sailboat accident that I worked on. I interviewed a lot of people, broke a lot of stories and I was doing the midday news. And um, one of the stories that was, you know, I, I've learned after all these years, you're going to get some crazy tips, things that sound outlandish. And you need to look into each and every one of them. Yeah. And some of them are outlandish. But this particular one, I got a call saying, hey, my neighbor burns dogs. And I'm like, what do you mean burns dogs? And she's like, well, you know, if they're if they're dead or they're sick, she just puts them in a burn barrel. We don't really have burn barrels in Connecticut, but they were fairly common in Michigan. You'd have one in your backyard, you'd burn your trash. Sure, right? yeah. So we took a ride out there and it was, we pulled into the property and just dozens of dogs were running around. And we pulled in and it smelled awful. And uh, I asked her, I said, you know, the neighbors say that you're burning dogs. And uh, she says, yeah, you know, if they're sick or they're dead. And she took me out to show me the burn barrel. And it was, it was, I almost threw up because there were dogs in there. And, um, wow. and uh, they were burning and it was all black and all you could see was the teeth. I'll never forget that. Oh, you man. Know, the charred ruins and the, these white, shiny dog teeth. It was really awful. And so I, um, uh, but anyway, my boss in uh, Hartford at the time who hired me uh, said that was the story that got me just the way you told that story uh, was one of the reasons I got hired. So I got hired to do, uh, I started off doing uh, uh, reporting at night. Then I was promoted to the morning news. Um, and then I was promoted. So the morning news I did with Virginia Cha and then uh, Mika Brzezinski, who was still a very good friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Morning uh, Joe. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then I moved to the evening news with uh, Gail King and, Legend. Uh, yeah, and then still, we're still great friends. That's and, awesome. Uh, her birthday was recently. We were going back and forth about her birthday. She's like, I'm just grateful to be here for another time and another year in the planet. And uh, also worked with uh, Janet Peckinpah and Denise Desenzo. Yeah, on the evening news. Yeah, and then I did that for a long, long time. And then um, you know, Denise passed away, which was just heartbreaking. That was a. I cried that day. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it impacted me a lot because it, I, I loved her. It was an awful day. Yeah. and uh, you know, I got the call on a Saturday morning, and um, I was with her for a while. Her husband asked me to come down and stay with her until, you know, they took her away and he, well, cause he could go tell the daughter. It was just a heartbreaking day. And then they called me in on my 28th anniversary and told me that I was done. They were getting rid of me. Gotcha. And uh, so to get fired after all that time was a shock. <laughs> yeah. But I did know that I'd be working because um, I got a text within an hour of the news breaking and, you know, within 24 hours I had heard from a lot of people. So um, both in and out of the business. So I, so I, I knew I'd be working and, my current general manager, Rich Graziano, and I had been friends before I started here, so I knew him. And this is really, really, you know, really, really wanted to be was Channel Eight after that. So awesome, that's yeah. very cool. So it worked out well. Okay, so we just took a quick break because Dennis had to do a quick little uh, segment and little news plug, break, little news break during um, uh, Jeopardy. And so yeah, so I always thought that was pre-recorded, but but no, it's <laughs> no, we do them live. <laughs> that's and so cool. Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy are the two most watched shows in Connecticut. Yeah. It's crazy. Like Jeopardy. Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, Jeopardy's the highest watched. Yeah. And it, with the exception of football games, it, it does it's every day. It's amazing. Very so, cool. Very cool. So we were talking about Channel Three before. Yeah. And uh we uh, I know you touched on De- uh, Denise Desenzo and just what an incredible human being. I mean, you could tell from watching, you know, I never met her, didn't know her, but you could just tell that she was an incredible individual, really cared about people, really cared about what she did. Um, she won countless Emmy Awards, which is super impressive. And um, you know, what was it like being you know, having her as your, you know, your, you know, your, your co-anchor and your work wife for, for as long as you did. So I have to say, I've been very blessed in my career. And uh, Denise and I became friends shortly after I first started there in 1992. And then we became co-anchors in 1994. So we were co-anchors for about 25, I don't know, do the math, a long, long time. Long time, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess we were the longest running anchor team in the state. And she was like a sister to me. You know, I don't have any sisters. She doesn't have any brothers. And when you co-anchor with someone, you do spend a lot of time with them. 
they're the hours in between the newscast. You're at work. I'm mean, spending more time with her some days than my own wife, you <laughs> right, know, right. Uh, who also worked there, but we would work different hours. So, um, and I've been very blessed to become, you know, I, I have amazing co-anchors and, and that's my, uh, that's my blessing from above. I get sent amazing women to work with. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And then talk to me about, so obviously you're married to Kara Sundlin, who is big, to, you know, big, big mm-hmm. broadcaster, legend here in the state, of course, just as you are um, doing her thing over there at News Channel 3. Um, and, you know, what is that like, you know, uh, and how did you meet? I mean, because you guys are de- definitely like a power couple here in Connecticut. It's cool. Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> we met at work and we became friends right away. We had a lot in common. We both worked in the Grand Rapids, Michigan market. We both were interns in Providence. And uh, so... We had just so many things in common. We started hanging out. We started going to the gym together, started grabbing dinners together, and then we started dating, and then 9-11 came along, and we both were down there for a couple of weeks working, which was just just heartbreaking, some of the stories we had to tell. Uh, But it really made us realize what was important in life, and shortly thereafter, we got engaged, and then we got married the following year. We have two kids. And uh, so, yeah, and uh, we're celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary coming up this summer. That's great. Congratulations. It's flown by. That's hasn't awesome. It? Hasn't yeah. It? yeah. Yeah. The year is just, I mean, it's 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 crazy. Uh, as soon as we know it, 2023 will be halfway over. And we'll be like, oh, my God. Here Absolutely. We, here yeah. We go again. But um, no, that that is great. That is great. And, um, you know, you touched on 9-11. And I know that uh, you covered the trade, uh, the trade towers when the explosive went off in the parking garage and you were there and you were, you covered that. And you also covered nine 11 and you were down there talking to Connecticut residents about the situation, everything like that. What are some things that you remember from that moment? I mean, one of the, the worst things that has happened to our country in quite some time. And, and what do you, what do you remember from that day and, and that experience? Well, I remember the day vividly and it was, I was sleeping, you know, back in the day I did the 11 o'clock news and I didn't have kids. And so I, I didn't have an alarm clock. I woke up when I woke up. Right. And I woke up, um, shortly after someone called to tell me what had happened about the first plane. And I turned the TV on and then saw the second one. And I instantly took a shower and packed a bag knowing that I'd be going there. So packed a bag for three days, right? Three shirts, three ties, and one suit. And, uh, you know, toiletries and underwear because I just knew, like, I'd be down there for a while. I just knew that was going to happen. I ended up being there for three weeks. But, um, and uh, it was was absolutely heartbreaking. I, I was in a car driving with photographer Mike Colpin. We were on the Merritt Park where I vividly remember it when the when the second tower well when the when the towers collapsed. Gotcha. And so this was before you could watch video on your phones. So we had to listen to it on the radio. And for some reason I imagined the towers falling on their sides. You know, I was trying to envision what had happened. So I was just picturing this to be even worse than it really was. I mean it was an awful event, but if they had fallen over sideways, it would have even been even worse. They would have hit other buildings and thousands of people. But I just yeah, that was my scope. I, I just imagined that's how it was happening. And when we got down there and uh, we, we passed people, uh, soot-covered clothing. And But I think the most heartbreaking thing, uh, Jeff, was the next day, people walking around with pictures of their loved ones. Have you seen so-and-so? And I think it was difficult for people to actually fathom that people were vaporized and they just disappeared. It was just, It was awful. And so I think... I believed, along with many others, right off the bat, that there might be survivors under all of that rubble. It just seemed unbelievable that all these people could just be gone. So that was the most heartbreaking thing. And I remember I talked to someone who's... um, whose uh, husband worked in the Windows on the World, which was the restaurant at the very top. And uh, he, of course, died. But at the time, the woman didn't know it. Um, But days went by, and you would see the pictures of all the loved ones posted on on, uh, poles and walls. And we went to the vigils at the fire stations at night and it was, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, was very young. Um, I was, I believe I was 10 and, um, I just remember coming home and my mom was just uncontrollably, uncontrollably crying on the, on the couch. And I knew something was wrong because, um, they had two teachers go on each bus and I'm like, why are there two teachers on our bus? And it was just, yeah, just, just, Hard to hard to grasp at a young age, but as I've grown older, I've I've learned to um, understand what happened and, and sort of um, you know appreciate and respect all the folks that um, not only showed up to try to help others, but who passed. And I mean, what a what a situation! So I can't imagine what it was like to actually be there and and talk to folks and and you know be right in the thick of it. So mm. interesting, yeah. very interesting. Um, so 
you talked about Gail King, and I love Gail King. She's she's super cool. Um, I love watching her in the morning on CBS uh, mornings. Um, what was it like working with her, and, and how did that sort of come to be? So uh, Gail and I also became friendly shortly after I started there, and then they paired me with her uh, in 1995 to do the 530 News, and uh, she's just a super cool person and uh, really enjoyed working with her. And uh, I'm sure she's fun to hang out with. She looks like she's fun she to, really, to chill with. Well, you know, my <laughs> memories of working with her, she was a great mom. Yeah, you know, she still is a great mom, but at the time her kids were younger and right. she had to make sure that they were doing their homework and eating right and all that and picking them up from school and making sure they had rides here and there and everywhere. So uh, Kirby and William, just great kids. And she was a great mom. She's an absolute great mom, really hands-on. And uh, she was fantastic. And she was... Uh, uh, we had a lot of fun because the 530 News was more featurey. So we did some featurey type of stories, a lot of celebrity stuff and things like that. So we had a lot of we had a lot of laughs, a lot of laughs. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very, very cool. Yeah, Gail, Gail is awesome. Um, just, uh, you know, her and Oprah are always so funny and everything like that. So. That's very, very cool. Very cool. So talk to me a little bit, a little bit about what it was like at Channel 3, you know, as far as, you know, news stories. Like, what were you looking, what do you look for in news stories? Is there certain things you look for? Or is it kind of just you're looking to cover any, you know, anything that comes across that you want the, the you know, the people of Connecticut to hear and understand? Well, my whole life, my, my whole career, I've always tried to get that extra information. I've always tried to make sure that everything's confirmed. If there is an issue out there that needs to be solved, I try to work on that. So if, if, if I'm trying to get some details in a story, I, I'm always furiously working up to deadline, making calls to see if I can get that information. And so, um, yeah, I'll tell you, you know, one story is uh, the story of Robert Gentile, who uh, was a reputed mobster, said to be involved in the biggest art heist Right. in the world in Boston. So he right. lived in Manchester and they raided his house a couple times over the years. They dug up the lawn and went through his basement looking. They found nothing. So, but anyway, um, I, I always wanted to interview him because I thought, you know, he was the part of the story, right? I want to talk to him. And the answer was always no, no, no. And then I came to Channel 8, right? And I'd been here for about two weeks and I got a call from his attorney who said, um, Mr. Gentile wants to meet with you. I said, well, wow, after all these years of working, I'm finally going to get this interview and I'm working at a different station now, right? So uh, I went, I had lunch with him and the, the attorney and he told me that his wife had passed away not too long before and that I was her favorite news anchor. Oh, okay. And so that he, he felt that he was running out of time in his life and he wanted to tell his story and he wanted it to be with me. So, um, that's cool. Yes. That was really, really cool. And, uh, he didn't really say all that much, certainly didn't admit to anything. Sure. Uh, if he, if he, if he didn't have anything to do that, he didn't tell me, but it was a fascinating interview. And he did tell me a lot of that and shared some pictures that no one had seen before. So it was a great exclusive and, uh, I, I, w I was honored to get it. So I, so I work hard on those types of things. I, I also try to, um, I, I always keep in touch with some of the people I've interviewed, right? And uh, because I understand that uh, the stories we do are about people. It's very important that when we do a story about someone dying or being murdered, that that person has a family. You need to take, that's the, that's the most important thing. It's more important than uh, the sensitivity is more important than breaking the story first. It's more important than getting it on the air right away. And uh, so, so I work very hard to make sure that that person's death is being handled as sensitively as we possibly can. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are sometimes I learned a long time ago, Jeff, that I was covering a story in Ansonia um, where someone had been killed and he was probably 22 years old, maybe a little bit older than that. And so I didn't want to knock on the family's door. And instead, I went to the town library and I got his yearbook picture from his high school. And that's what I used on the news that night. And the mother called me the next day and she said, I wish you'd come to my door because he hated that picture and I would have given yeah. you a better one. Gotcha. So you just never know, right? right. And, uh, but I learned a lesson from that. Some people don't want to be interviewed. Some do. Some want to tell their story of their loved one right away. Others don't. Um, and I get that, you know, um, grief is something that, cause I've been through it, you know, in, in one year I lost Denise, my dad and my job. That's a lot to go through. And, uh, so uh, it, it uh, you know, grieving people, it's a lifelong thing. Mm -hmm. And so everyone's got a different story to tell. Yeah, no, exactly. I, uh, you know, um, 
the fact that you mentioned that I, I lost my mom, my best friend and my, and my dog that I only had for a couple of years, all within like a year and a half. It's terrible. Um, in fact, my mom passed just, just like a month or two before Denise. So I was already sort of reeling and then I saw Denise pass and then my friend and, and yeah, so I, I get with you on the whole, the grieving standpoint. Yeah. 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 So I always just try to just remember when you're telling a story and I always tell young journalists, just remember this is someone's mom. It's someone's dad, someone's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just be cognizant of that as you tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. That That's great. Um, I also know you're a big Whalers fan and I have a great story for you. Okay. Um, and I, I love that, you know, your Whalers fandom and your, your profile, your, your picture on your Instagram is Whalers. <laughs> and, and, uh, I also remember when you, um, visited the, uh, the, the, the folks in Connecticut who have that really, uh, awesome, uh, Whalers memorabilia oh, collection. Yes. Forgive me. I, I, I can't remember their names off the top so, of my head. But. Uh, so, uh, Peter Good and Jan Cummings okay. are the uh, couple who helped design the, well, they did design the Whalers logo. The logo, correct. Back That's right. in the 1970s, they were hired to do this and they came up with it and they have some of the goodies at their house, uh, pardon the pun. With their <laughs> name. Um, and it's, you know, the Whalers, it's, it's an amazing story, right? They left in 1997 and yet people still buy stuff. It's still a hot seller. Oh, the people the, love the colors. The brand is is huge. It, yeah. it's never been bigger. <laughs> and the Hartford Athletic and the um, uh, the Hartford Yard Goats both chose blue and green, rightly so, for their colors because they know that people love those colors in Hartford, and they would be good sellers, and so they certainly are. No, exactly, exactly. So the story I have is that my mom was a skybox was the skybox manager for the Whalers for eight years. Oh wow! And um, I actually was born in Waterbury. My dad worked in Prospect, and my mom worked with the Whalers. And, um, so the story is, uh, one day Gordy Howe came into my mom's office and he called her darling. Her name was Darlene, but he called her darling. Uh, um, of course, you know, Gordy yeah. Howe being, being yeah. the, the, the funny, being Gordy Howe, the yeah. funny guy. Yeah. And, um, he said to my mom, he said, Hey, um, there's a governor's ball tonight. And I think it was governor o- O'Neill at the time. I, I think probably. Um, and he said, uh, you know, Mrs. Hockey, she's not feeling that well. She's under the weather. And I would love for you to come as my guest to this <laughs> ball. Yeah. And and my mom, my mom told me the story, my dad. Um, so I have both sides and, uh, and I, I put them together. So, um, my mom goes, you know, wow, like, of course, like you're Gordy Howe, like I would love to go, but let me, you know, let me let my husband know, let me, let me see if it's all right, you know, whatever. And so my dad was working at a machine shop called OGI, Oxford General Industries of Prospect. I believe they're still there. He's, you know, he's, he's working on a machine and he gets the call on the overhead and it says Andy line two, line three, whatever. And he's like, oh, and he you know, turns the machine off and he's got to walk all the way across the factory, walks all the way across the factory and he picks up the phone and he goes, hello. And he goes, Andy, it's, it's Gordy Howe. How's it going? <laughs> and my dad's like, what? Like Gordy, like, this is a joke, right? Yeah. No, it's Gordy. And, you know, and he goes, your wife's here. And, you know, my mom's like, hey, you know, <laughs> Gordy's here in the office and, and my dad's like, what's going on? And Gordy goes, well, look, you know, Mrs. Hockey's not feeling well. I have this governor's ball tonight and I would really like her to come. Is that all right? And my dad's like, yeah, of course. Like, you know, you're Gordy Howe. Of course it's okay. Like, no, you know, no problem. And he made a joke to my dad. He said, don't worry. I said, I, I've got a hotel room for us afterwards. You know, and he starts, <laughs> he starts laughing and my dad's like, yeah, okay. You know, and he's laughing. <laughs> so, um, so my mom went. And I remember she goes, man, I really wish there were smartphones back in the day or, oh, yeah. you know, more of a, a way to share your experience uh, because she sat at the table with the governor um, and she sat in between Gordie Howe and Manute Ball. Oh, wow. And she said it was the craziest experience of her life and the coolest thing ever. That's and amazing. And she shared it to me. And, you know, she, you know, she has passed, but I keep the story alive and my dad as well. And I thought I'd share that with you because you're a huge Whalers fan. So. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how? what better than that? One of the greatest to ever play the game. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's fantastic. So cool. yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't really tire of, of the Whalers. Um, you know, it's uh, just what they meant to this city and what they still mean to this day. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, there've been calls to try to get them back, to try to bring an NHL team back. I mean, I know we had the Connecticut whale and people weren't too crazy. You know, some diehard Wolfpack fans weren't too crazy about that. Um, Well, I do think the Wolfpack, you know, that, that one year they changed to the Connecticut whale. I I do think the green and the blue could help them a little bit. That's just my own personal thing, because I think that, um, you know, the, you know, the Wolfpack are, you know, the, you know, they're a great part of our state, but there are some, 
Bruins and Whalers fans who just will, will never wear those Rangers colors. They just won't, you know, they find them abhorrent. So, but, you know, it to each his own. And, you know, I support them and I wish them, you know, the very best. So, very cool. Um, you know, here at Channel 8, we're celebrating our 75th anniversary this year. So I think you might be seeing some Whaler stuff coming up. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, so much history here at News Channel 8. It really um, is. It's, it's so an amazing cool. place. We have an amazing team. Uh, you met Joe Fury. Yes. You're going to meet Ann Nyberg Pleasure. in the newsroom. Oh, um, Ann is, Ann is. Ann's amazing. She just. Oh, uh, celebrated 36 years uh, here wow. at News 8, which is the goat. Longest, <laughs> yeah, she's the goat. Uh, the longest, um, uh, I guess, serving journalist at a TV station in our state, which is pretty amazing. And, yeah. And uh, she's super smart. She's great. She's That's very cool. Yeah. yeah we enjoy working. Um, so we do the 16 11 every night in the 10 o'clock on WCTX. Joe Fury, you met in uh, probably before you were born. Joe Fury and I did the morning news together at Channel 3. Way, way, way back. Oh yeah, in the mid '90s. Yep. Uh, Rich Capola, Darren Kramer. Uh, we have a Lisa Carberg. We have a lot of people who've just been here a long time, and uh, our, our reporter staff is very deep. Uh, Kent Pierce, Jody Latina. I mean, people who've really been here. Jody who, Latina. Who really yeah. know the state. Yes. Super well. Our our morning news team. You know, Laura Keith Kuntz has been here. Um, I believe he's been here the second longest after Ann. Yeah. Uh, don't quote me the number of years, but I, I believe <laughs> Ann. So Ann's the longest. He's probably the second longest after that. Um, uh, Alyssa Taglia, who's amazing. Laura Hutchinson, Gil Simmons. We, we just have a great team here. Yeah. Was it that combination of folks that are have been really just killing it um, as far as broadcasting and news here in the state that attracted you to News 8, or was it or was it something else? Well, it's a strong team, and I know because for years I competed against them <laughs> yeah. uh, for, uh, on the other side, and now I'm for them. So I think it was when I was thinking about what I was going to do after uh, my previous job. Um, I mean, just from the management on down, I really just like the way this team is built. I, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I was... It was it was a choice I wanted to make. I uh, enjoy being here. I think we cover the state better than anyone. We have a newsroom in Hartford that's you know check out the views from there. It's absolutely amazing in the uh, in Columbus Boulevard and the can they call it the Candy Cane Building. It has another name, but that's what people call it because it's got the big candy cane in front. So that's yeah. what it's called. So so no, I, and and I really enjoy watching my coworkers' uh, uh, stories. You know, which is amazing. You know, people do some really amazing stuff here. Um, Anne's got her Nyberg segment that runs every night on the 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock news. Fascinating stuff. Some of our other reporters who go out and do st our sports team, John Pearson, Eric Dobratz, Bob Rumble, I don't want to forget them. Uh, they do an amazing job. Our weather team of Ashley and Sam and Gil and Joe, uh, they do more than just forecast the weather. They go out there and they'll do stories about um, the weather. Which is interesting too. You yeah. Know, like the, you know, what's the spring going to look like? Why don't we have any snow? Why is it warm? So uh, yeah. I know I'm going to leave someone out of all the people that I've mentioned, but they're really just, you know, it's a great team. Well, speaking of of, of legends Cody and, 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 and people who in my house who, when I was young, I would, I you know, I'm, I'm about to catch the bus and I'm hearing them speak was Dr. Mel. I mean, Dr. Mel yes. was, oh my gosh. I mean, he was. So I met Dr. Huge Mel a couple of times. I never worked with him, but yeah, he's a legend. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, I'm sure you'll be seeing clips of him coming up in our 75th anniversary cool. coverage as well. Cool, looking forward to that. Yeah. That's great. So you, um, a little bit ago, or it might've been recently, I forget, and I apologize, um, uh, were named uh, one of the most influential people by Hartford, I think it was like Hartford Current or Hartford Magazine, something like that. Hartford Magazine, it was a while ago, but yeah, yeah. So we still talk about it. <laughs> what, is that, what does that mean to you when, when someone says, you know, you're one of the most influential people? What kind of like, uh, what feelings do you get and what kind of like responsibility do you feel to, to the people who, you know, really care about what you do and follow you and everything like that? Well, I really see us, Jeff, you know, I, I, I see myself as someone who serves our state, right? I, I, every night I have to bring them the news. And I want to make sure that it's accurate. I want them to trust me. So I want make sure we don't make mistakes. That's very important not to make mistakes. <laughs> and uh, to get to ask the questions that they might not be able to ask. Not every person gets a chance to grill their governor or their senator. So we can ask those questions for them. We can bring them the stories that matter to them. So, uh, so in that respect, I almost see, you know, we're not elected, but sort of an elected official, right? I've been asked to run for office, but I, I, I think this helps more people. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm flattered that somebody thought I was influential. And I think that's because um, politicians trust me. You know, I, I, I think they know that they can turn to me and if they need to tell me something for a story that, 
I will report it in due time. For instance, if someone came to me and said, hey, listen, I want to make an announcement, but I don't want to do it just yet next Tuesday, you know, whatever, something like that. So that's happened to me a few times in my career. Very cool. And uh, so I, that's just, um, you know, I, I, I'm honored. Um, I, I really, truly find people's stories interesting, you know? I mean, everyone's got a story to tell, right? Yeah. So you need to be a good listener because sometimes they're going to tell you something that you, um, well, wow, I didn't know that. So Exactly. And that's why I do this. And that's why I told you one of the reasons why I started doing this was because I was such a fan of your one-on-ones that you did on Channel 3. Um, well, they, now they're on Channel 8. And, and, so, now, and now on Channel 8. That you really, know, they continue. They continue. Yeah, they really inspired me to to want to get into this space and talk well, thank to people. You for saying that. I find it really interesting. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think when it comes to interviewing people, my advice is make sure you listen. Yeah. Because, you know, it's okay to have questions written down or questions in your mind. It's okay. But that person might say something and that might completely take the conversation in a different direction. Exactly. You know, and that it, does happen. Yeah, no, it, it does. It does. And um, yeah, those 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 uh, those interviews you do are just they're so great. They're well, awesome. Well, thank really, you. Really More coming up. I, I encourage people to watch my show on Sunday mornings this week in Connecticut. We we have newsmakers on and CEOs and politicians. And so, yeah, uh, we hope to continue that. That's awesome. You know, one thing in our state that's actually been sort of a, a big issue and a big topic right now that we're really trying to handle um, in Hartford is uh, accidents and deaths involving wrong way drivers. And we saw oh. it just recently with the passing of um, Quint Williams mm-hmm. Q, uh, who I was actually looking really looking forward to, to talking on the podcast with this year. And when I found out he passed, I I almost I almost fell to my knees. I mean, it was just terrible because what a young inspirational, just beautiful soul and mind and so many, so many things that he was going to do yeah. to, to help our state. Um, and, and I could just see him, you know, I, I, I would joke with some friends. I'm like, I'm like, you know, Q one day will be president. Like he, he was that kind of guy. He gave you that confidence that he was magnanimous, gonna, oh, very just charismatic. Yeah. And I know that you were at um, the inauguration ball uh, and, and you were, you know, talking to certain folks. Did you ever get a chance to talk to him one-on-one, you know, or just speak to him in general? And what, you know, what were you feeling when you heard that you know, the unfortunate news that he got in the accident and passed away. So um, I'd met him a few times. I interviewed him right after he got elected. I had him on my show because, Very cool. you know, in Face the State, he was uh, a freshman and he, he you know, he was like just a cool guy. So, and when I met him, you know, I called him representative and he said, just call me Q. <laughs> yes, I'll never Q, forget. yes. And so I'd seen him from time to time. And I remember, um, and, you know, there's the story where he changed his last name to reflect his mother's heritage. He was Phipps when he was elected and he became Williams. And I ran into him somewhere in, um, uh, somewhere in Middletown. And he said, uh, you know, I said, hey, Representative Phipps, he goes, it's Q and it's now Williams. And he explained it a little bit to me. Very cool. But I did see him at the inaugural and I regret not talking to him. We waved from a distance. It it was so many people there, right? Oh yeah, crazy. It was madness, right? Right. And uh, uh, I remember I saw someone as I was walking in and we were checking in with our ticket and uh, I said, I'll catch up with you. I never saw them again because it was just so busy in there. But as I was leaving and it was getting late, I needed to get home. And I saw him talking to some people and, you know, we waved and I had said hi Q. And I think I'd seen him earlier in the day too at the Capitol. Um, and, but when I heard the news the next day, I was just, because he's such a nice guy. This was a nice man who really cared about people. Salt, and who salt had, to the earth. Yeah, who really had a promising career ahead of him. So it was very disappointing. Yeah, no, no, very disappointing. I'm sadness. Um, yeah, yeah, just, just, you know, because it was, it was, it was exciting because all the people who were getting, you know, uh, you know, inaugurated yes. and everything. And then, and then to have that was, was just unfortunate. But, you know, I, I hope a lot of positive things happen out of this, you know, legislation wise and trying to crack down on this serious I think something issue will. that we have. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, I think yeah, something will. Yeah. So what's, what's your thought on Connecticut um, politic-wise? I feel like we've got some great politicians. We have a state that I feel like really cares about the residents of the state and what goes on, everything like that. And I know that you're, you know, you're pretty close with Governor Ed Lamont. You know, what do you think about the governor and what, you know, the job he's done so far? So I have known the governor since, uh, since 2006 when he ran against uh, Joe Lieberman. Yeah. And I um, uh, interviewed him several times that year. And then a few times I had him on after that. And then when he ran for governor in 2010 and lost to Dan Malloy, uh, I got to know him much better. And uh, he had me into, he was teaching at Central Connecticut State University. So he invited me to come in and talk to his students one day uh, as part of a panel. And uh, he, he re- 
complete reversal. He played reporter and we were the politicians sitting, you know, <laughs> sitting up there. There was me and I think a newspaper reporter was there as well. But he said to me, he goes, why did I get branded the Greenwich millionaire? <laughs> and he goes, Blumenthal's from Greenwich and he's got a lot more money than I have. <laughs> I just I just laughed about it, right? <laughs> and it, it, it was funny, but it was it, he, he brought up a good point. Sure. Why did we call him the Greenwich millionaire? Who came up with that term? And it was not fair. I never used it again. I hadn't come up with it, but it was in copy and people had put it in stories. So I learned from him that, uh, you know, he, he he's a businessman. You can call him a Greenwich businessman. You can call him whatever you want. But to label someone that really seemed unfair. So I got to know him over the years and I've interviewed him many times. And uh, I will say that, you know, I've asked him some really tough questions he didn't like. Um, but um, he's always, to me, very candid. You know, he always would say, if he didn't know the answer, he'd say, I don't know, let me get back to you, which I think is refreshing for a politician. And on the Republican side, uh, Mark Boughton, who ran for governor, is also like that. Friend of the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Mark Boughton was the same way when I would have him on as a candidate. He's yeah. like, well, you know, I really don't know. Let me think about that and get back to you. Um, those are the only two politicians who've given me that answer. Two great leaders. Yeah. And uh, they're friends, actually. Um, in fact, Bout now works yep. for Lamont. So I found that very fascinating that the two of them had very similar characteristics and uh, they became friends and ended up working together. So um, I've interviewed um, you know, almost every major politician in our state at one time or another, some of them many times dating back to Governor Weicker. And Governor Weicker was intimidating to me uh, back in the early 90s. And uh, I grew to, I mean, I always respected him, but uh, over the years I've interviewed him many times and he just was, uh, you know, things have changed and, uh, you know, he's 92 now and uh, he's not very active. He's not out there that much, but, but I interviewed him last year and it was very enjoyable and he, he's not as irascible as he once was. Uh, but, you know, here's a politician who really contributed to, to our society and played a major role in Watergate. So I, I always try to see the good in who I'm interviewing, right? And, uh, and, and, and I always trust them until they give me a reason not to. I believe them until they give me a reason not to. Um, I, I've only had some difficult times with a few politicians who've never come, you know, come back on again. I'm not going to mention them. Um, but for the most part, it, it's, it's overall gone well. That's awesome. You know, you've talked to so many people, and, and forgive me for asking, you're probably going to hate me for this, but do you have a favorite? Is there one that sticks out to you or that you can think of where you're like, man, you know, I really enjoyed that or, or I really learned something different or, or something along those lines? So, Or is I, it just like a comment or you you're just love talking to folks and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter? I really like just everyone's got a really interesting story to tell. And uh, even the viewers, you know, I don't interview viewers, right, typically, but I meet them. And the other day, a woman pulled me aside in the grocery store and she said, you know, um, I have a marijuana prescription and a medical marijuana prescription and they're out of my marijuana, my, the, you know, the type of cannabis I use and I really need it for, uh, you know, my condition. And now that it's recreational, it's all selling out. So yeah. it's a good story. We did the story the next day and we tried to help her out a little bit and, you know, get her some answers. Yeah, and I heard I, I heard that story the other day, yeah. Yeah, the awesome. answer is there aren't enough suppliers right now. Yeah. You know, they're growing it as fast as they can and yeah. and it just isn't enough, right? And you, you can't import it from other states. It must be grown in Connecticut to, um, so, you know, but back to your question about, do I have a favorite interview? I really don't have a favorite one. Um, I, I've, I've enjoyed many of them and there are some that I've regretted. So, oh, I should have asked that. Uh, but the ones that really impact me the most are people who show me a life that I have not led. And by that, I mean, um, you know, I mean, I grew up in a very, you know, middle-class neighborhood. We didn't have any crime. It was, it was quiet and, you know, um, so I, so I didn't grow up with some of the things that some of the kids grow up with today. And I interviewed someone, there was a, there were a lot of murders at one point, a lot of shootings in Hartford's North End years ago. And so I decided to tell the story from the kid's point of view. What is it like to live in a neighborhood where police are there all the time and there are gunshots all the time? And so I got a couple of kids with their parents' permission. We sat on a stoop in the North End and we interviewed them. And, uh, you know, there was a seven-year-old kid who, who said he was really afraid his sister was going to die. His little sister was going to die. And it was, uh, it got nominated for an Emmy. It was really a moving story because it, it was something that um, I just couldn't imagine. And he was interviewed by, uh, you know, alongside his best friend at the time. And they were childhood friends. And I visited them five years later. And uh, one had gone down a different path. They weren't friends anymore. 
and this kid had uh, his parents were making sure that he was raised well. And in in so there are good stories and in, in uh, settings that some believe to be bad, like you know, in, in in neighborhoods where there's a lot of crime, we just have to find them. And uh, I, I'd been out with Hartford police in the middle of the night as they went uh, looking for, you know, uh, shots being fired. And 99.9% uh, .9 of the people in neighborhoods where there are crime are good people. Yeah. 99.9% .9 made up of good people, right? And there's a couple of troublemakers who are going to ruin it for everybody. Exactly. Exactly. So. No, I, I, I completely agree. Completely agree with you. Um, you've had this wonderful career and it's still ongoing. And I feel like in some ways... Um, you're just getting started. I feel like that, you know, you know, you'll be broadcasting for us for a while and we'll be really loving and appreciating it, appreciating it. Um, and just with everything that you've done, um, you know, what are some things that you could tell somebody who wants to come up in this space and wants to pursue this as a career? Um, you know, what could you say to them and thinking like, oh, you know, there's no way I could ever be at that, that point in my life or do things like that. Um, you know, what could you say to them? Well, I think that you really have to, uh, set a goal, right? Set a goal as to what you want to do. And if you want to be, if you want to be a, a professional football player, or you want to be uh, a, a machine worker, you want to be an artist, whatever it may be, set a goal for that and work toward it. Now, there might be some things that, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the movie Rudy, right? Oh, yeah. That's what he wanted to do, and oh, he yeah. did it. <laughs> so, you know, I overcame some things. I didn't have any connections in the TV business. So that was really hard. And in a time back in the 80s, you know, you needed something to help you out, to make you stand out, and I just didn't. I, I used to stutter a lot as a kid, so my voice wasn't that great. I had a horrible Boston accent. But I worked on all of these things to make them better and uh, set some goals and you managed to achieve them. And it, they, I think they changed over the years, Jeff. You know, my goals used to be, I wanted to be like a foreign correspondent for, you know, a network. And, and over time I realized I didn't want to do that, you know, that I, you know. Yeah. And now I, I like being in one place. I like having some stability. I like having my kids in, in a neighborhood where they grew up in. And um, so, you know, I like being around. Yeah, so you live in Hartford, right? Yeah, we live in Hartford. Awesome, yep. very cool. And uh, I, I lived, we used to live downtown. Now we live out in uh, in the West End. And, you know, we, we just, you know, uh, yeah, my kids are, you know, enjoying it. We're enjoying it and it's busy. And we're, you know, Uber drivers for our kids practically because they're at that age, practices and school and all that. So. And you love Buicks. Well, it's interesting, you know, <laughs> like- um, I had to mention that. So, <laughs> um, so my first new car out of college- uh, was a Buick Skyhawk, right? And I loved that car. It was really cool. It had a built-in cassette uh, holder. I'll never forget it. It had stripes in the, in the thing. I went, I went to my parents' dealer and, and it, was, it was like, it was a rare car. There weren't many out there. I, was, I don't like to drive things that everybody has, right? So, I, so you know, um, I'm not gonna go out and buy the best-selling car because that's not what I want. I want something, that maybe the low seller so that there are fewer of them out there. It's a little bit more unique. But right. anyway, um, you know, I drove foreign cars for a long time and um, I, um, you know, after that, you know, new Buick and then my wife's from Detroit and we went back to Detroit, I, I wanna say like 2006 or something like that. Cool. And we drove through Flint and we drove, it was really, really depressed. Right. And so my wife and I said, you know, let's buy American cars just because we can support the Detroit auto industry. We're not going to live in Michigan to support it that way, but we can do this. So that's why I switched at the time. I mean, I think they, they still do pretty well. I looked up most reliable American car and Buick was at the top of the list. So, um, yeah, so, and then I had an antique Buick. I've had a couple of cool ones. So yeah, I mean, you know, um, with the wood paneling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I did have a Buick Roadmaster with, with, with the, uh, with the factory wood paneling on it. And, uh, I don't have that anymore, but I had the fake wood paneling put on my present car. Gotcha. And, uh, it's, it's not a secret. You can Google it. Buick Enclave Woody. There's been a few <laughs> articles written about it by some yeah. people. So I, you know, I, I just kind of like, I'm kind of a throwback in that respect. Like, I think those Woody wagons were kind of cool. We had one. We had a Ford when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'd like to see them make a comeback. And if they're not, I'm going to have one anyway. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. You need to be secure in who you are and what you want. Like, yes. You know, I mean, there are people who like, hey, listen, I like to have a beard, so I grow a beard. Or I like to, you know, uh, you know, women are like, hey, I like to wear yellow dresses. I wear yellow, and I'm, and, you know, I'm not afraid. So, you know, be who you are. Do you, right? As do they you, say. Do you, exactly. You know, I mean, if we all looked alike <laughs> and all drove the same thing and cut our hair the same way, what, it just wouldn't be very interesting. Exactly. Exactly. You know? So- 
few more things before we wrap sure, go up. Ahead. And thank you so much. Again, this is a huge honor being here, WTNH, such a historic and iconic uh, news channel, um, not only just in Connecticut, I feel like um, in the country. And well, TNH is one of the oldest stations in the country, yeah. 75 years. Yeah, that's, a, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait to watch the 75-year uh, you know, throwback uh, uh, videos and, and yeah, the Darren Kramer's working on a weekly series. Oh, very cool. Uh, that uh, you'll be seeing. So. Awesome. Awesome. I can't, I can't wait. And, you know, coming here every day and just, you know, you know, when the channel you were at before and everything like that, what is the best part in your, uh, in your opinion of what you do? The best part of what I do, um, is we inform people, we educate people, we report the news. I, every day, I still like it, Jeff. I still love the business. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Some people don't like it and right. they've gotten out of it and all the power to them if you want to do something else. But right now, um, you know, and, and yeah, I've got a plan B at the back of my head, but you know, if, if I decided I want to do something, you know, there's a couple of things I might want to do if I didn't do this, but right now I really, really enjoy it. And, uh, cool. it's a great place to be. I, I love, I, I think the team is the, the important thing. Oh yeah. It's really, it's the team family, you know, it really is. We have a great <laughs> team here. That's awesome. And on the other side of that, is there a hard part? Is there a difficult part or, um, you know, an area where you come in and you're like, you know, unsure of, you know, unsure of, of the day or, or what you're going to do or something like that, you know, is there a difficult side to it? The difficult side of it is the tragedy and the death that we report on right. a daily basis. Um, it is just heartbreaking. These wrong way crashes you talked about, pedestrians being killed, shootings, um, the stuff like this, you know, it just gets to you. Um, yeah. I find that very sad. Um, and I do think about it and I, you know, I, that's why, Hey, listen, if, if the show could be filled, if our newscast could be filled with, you know, if the news of the day was about politics and history and development and all that, um, I love development stories. I, I love to see things being built and being improved and all that, um, sports it's, it's, that's the tough thing. And, and I think, uh, you know, others would agree. I know I've said it to Ann you know, Nyberg, you know, during our commercial breaks, I'm like, that was a really sad first block. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking sometimes the news we bring. So that's the tough yeah. thing. You know, and on that uh, note about sports, have you ever done any sports broadcasting? I did. And, okay. Okay. I did. Cause I, I'm like, I, you have the, per I mean, not only do you have the perfect voice for, um, just, you know, news broadcasting, but for a sports game, I mean, that, that is a nice, soothing, relaxing voice to listen to while you're listening to the game. It would be great. Well, thank you. So my <laughs> sports career w was brief, but it was based on sick calls and, uh, someone getting fired. So, uh, my first, uh, when I worked in Rockford, somebody was sick, and uh, so I got sent to cover the Monday Night Football game. Oh, cool! Never forget it. it was It was Mike Ditka, and uh, he was playing Rex Ryan's uh, Eagles, as I recall. Um, and um, uh, the Bears won at Soldier Field. And back in the day, you know, they don't really allow it anymore. But all the crews used to walk around the field on the okay. grass. You, you, you were right out there. I think now they kind of restrict it. You have to be in a, the, the media has to be in a certain area. But we got to walk around and you know shoot the game and hung out at Soldier Field. And then I went into the locker room and asked Mike Ditka some questions. And Mike Ditka uh, had had a reputation of being very hard on reporters, right? But they won that night. He was in a good mood and he he answered my question without any like you know, snarky response, which was kind of nice. Nice. Uh, and then I went to, uh, when I was in Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo, they called me in after being there about a month and I thought I was getting in trouble. <laughs> and they said, uh, we're making you the weekend sports anchor for a while. Oh, cool. So I did that for about four months. I had to learn all about the Lions, the Detroit Lions and University of Michigan and uh, Western Michigan University, just all these sports teams I knew nothing about. So that was kind of fun. And then when I um, came to Connecticut, I, I did sports now and then if somebody was sick. And then uh, a sick, another sick call, and I got sent to game six of the 1996 World Series, the Yankees versus the Braves. And uh, it was amazing. And uh, and again, just luck or hard work or ambition. But we got out there and I kept pushing it. And my photographer and I kept going out there. And so as soon as the game was over, we were out there on near the first baseline when the final out was called and they won. Oh, wow. And I had these great pictures of Wade Boggs on this horse riding oh behind me, God. those iconic pictures. And I shouted out a question wow. to him. And so it was like, you know, so I've gotten to experience those types of things. Very cool. Yeah. And then your sports allegiances, are you a Massachusetts guy? So Red Sox, Celtics, so Bruins, Patriots type Red of thing? Red Sox, Celtics, uh, you know, I was Whalers a little bit. So uh, I kind of like the Red Wings and the Bruins a little bit. Okay. Uh, football, I tend to go with the Lions. I like the Bucks. I cool. don't really have a favorite football team that I love. Sure, 
Sure. And part of it is because, you know, when the Patriots were going to come to Hartford, they just burned Connecticut. Yeah, my I, dad was not happy I about that. Over, I cannot get over My you know, dad is like, so I'm a grudge Kraft. holder about that. Oh, I don't yeah. hold grudges, but that particular one, no. So I don't really, <laughs> um, you know, I, I like Tom Brady. Yes. Uh, you know, I, 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 Legend, go. I was hoping he would win. Uh, but I've been to the Buccaneers Stadium a couple times. I've seen a couple of those games. So I like the Bucs. I like the Lions. But the Lions have to be my favorite because they've never been to the Super Bowl and those fans are so loyal. Yeah. And uh, I was also assigned in 1991, I believe it was, or 92, was the only time the, the Lions made the NFC Championship in their career. Uh, you know, before the NFL and the AFL merged. Right. They were big champs. They won a lot. Oh, yeah. But anyway, um, so I, I was at the Silverdome at the time and uh, yeah, covering that. So that was fun. I wish I wasn't a big uh, um, uh, football fan because I'm a Jets fan yeah. <laughs> and they're terrible. Jets, <laughs> so, you know, but I've been to a Jets game too. You know, I tough. mean, you, you, again, long-suffering, yeah. loyal fans. And I'm a, Mets, I'm a Mets fan and I'm hoping things are about to change. Things have been I think they are going to change. Things have been great. I think they I, are going <laughs> to change, yeah. I went to a Mets game last year. Things but, are changing. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting stuff. Um Listen, Dennis, thank you so much for this opportunity to get to chat with you. My um, pleasure. It's it's so cool being here. I wish you nothing but the best, um, you know, in the continuation of your career. Uh, in fact, before you came to WTNH, I was like, he's going to start a podcast and he's going to kill it. And I'm going to be one of his biggest fans and subscribers. <laughs> Listen all the time because you just, you have a great voice, you know, not just for broadcast. Well, thank you. You could be, you could do a great podcast and, um, you know. Well, I do have a podcast. It's on okay. Seasons Magazines. Oh, okay. Uh, it only comes out a couple times a year, but oh, we're okay. working on getting it, you know. Okay, uh, I'll just check that out. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Very cool. So one last question uh, before my guests leave me, and I've been doing this ever since the podcast started is, you know, obviously in Connecticut, we're known for our pizza and we're here right now in New Haven, the Mecca of pizza. Um, of course, with Frank Pepe's, the number one pie, the, the white clam. So what I like to ask my guests is, you know, there's the big debate on who, who, you know, who's the best in New Haven, who has the best pizza. Obviously, it, it's a mixed bag. It all depends on what you're feeling that day and where you want to go. Um, but I always ask my guests if you could go to one place to get pizza in New Haven, out of all the different places, you know, Sally's Bar, Modern, um, uh, Pepe's, you know, everything like that. What's a what's a favorite place that you like to go to? If you want to answer, because I don't want to put you to the fire and have people be like, oh, Dennis, you know, don't don't do this to me. But and not only on that note, but I'm also on the nomination panel for the Connecticut Restaurant Association. And I always love to show love to restaurants, especially with everything that happened during the pandemic. So on the other note, what are some restaurants you like to go to, um, you know, New Haven, Hartford, wherever you may be? And what could you say to us? <laughs> so Sally's uh, Modern and Pepe's are great pizza. I love all three of them. But if I had to go to one, I would say, and I hope I pronounce it correctly, I've never had to say the name, Abate's. Oh, yes. You know I, what? I I, I, I really like their <laughs> Gary pizza. Winfield, Gary Winfield said the same thing yeah, to me. They're yeah. amazing. So okay. um, so uh, they don't get the attention, but I'll give them a shout out. Right. Other restaurants I really, really like. Uh, let's see. Um, well, for breakfast, I like the place to be. Just opened in, uh, well, they're in Hartford, West Hartford, New Haven. Yeah, Chef X. Yeah, yeah, great. They're great. Awesome. Um, and Gene like, over there. I like Salute in Hartford. Um, I like, uh, we go to Bar Taco a lot in West Hartford. Oh, Bar Tacos. Uh, love that place. Um, Zahara, Tangiers in Hartford, Tangiers. They have, uh, they're not for dinner, but they have lunch and uh, kebabs and stuff like that. Uh, they're pretty amazing. Great family that owns that. Um, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank at that Turkish restaurant in, um, in Waterbury. It's right on the highway and it's, it's amazing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank I'm, right now. I, well, I, I feel ashamed that I can't remember it because I actually was born and was from there for a little it's while. It's an so. amazing restaurant. <laughs> and and uh, there's also a little place. You know, it's little things you get to find. Uh, there's that place in uh, Waterbury. Uh, it's uh, it's a Puerto Rican place. They make potatoes, baked potatoes. That's a little stand. Uh, you, you can't sit there. You get to sit outside or take it with you. But uh, they have great food. Uh, where else have I been recently? Of course, I said Steve's in Newington is a great place. Um, and Frankie's in Waterbury. Martha Stewart was just there a few days oh, ago. Oh, yes, I've heard great stuff about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, you know, like, if, if I go to a new town, I try to check out new things. Awesome. So, I and, uh, you know, like, uh, my wife and I will be like, let's go to, let's say, let's go to Derby, right? And you get, uh, you, know, you know, what is that? Uh Oh, uh, the the wing place? No, Rose. Uh, oh, Roseland. Uh, yeah, Roselanda Beats. Yep. Yes. Oh, uh, tremendous. Great stuff in Derby. So, tremendous. You know, um, you know, New Haven's got some great you know spots here. Obviously, Portofino, uh, Adriana's, uh, um, Hartford's got a bunch too. So Max Downtown is is our go to date. Like you know, big date night, we go there. Um, so yeah, there's some great places. And my buddy just opened a pizza place in West Hartford called Sparrow. 
Um, oh, I've been there. Chef yes. Adam Greenberg. Yeah. yeah, friend of the show. Great guy. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting over there because I've, I've heard these amazing things. And Yeah, we only know, went there once go figure, so far. But He's uh, the man. But yeah. And then if you're ever in Newtown, I would um, let me know because I would love to meet up with you okay. and take you to Good Old Days Pizza. Um, okay. They were actually up for Restaurant Newcomer of the Year uh, most recently. Oh, wow. Matt Stanzak um, is the owner. Um, he used to own Stanziato's in Danbury for uh, a few years and then sold it and was kind of out of the game. And now he's back and he's in Newtown and he's doing a combination of a Detroit meets a grandma meets um, uh, meet, meets a Sicilian. Yeah. And it's an incredible square pie. And I, and he has bar pies too. And it's in a den and it's, it's just really cool. So I think you would, I think you would get a kick. You, you, I'll you check it out. It, I'll so, check it. Yeah, I, so. you know, I like restaurants that have been here for a long time. Like uh black eyed Sally's in Harvard's been there like 25 years. Um, the Venetian in oh. Torrington. That's amazing. Oh yeah. Um, so any of those Griswold old time. Yeah. 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 yeah oh, Griswold yeah. in. Oh, yeah. uh, so that dates back. Man, <laughs> long to hundreds of years. So. Yeah. So, but listen, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, this is super cool. You know, like I said, been following you from afar for such a long time. And to be here now and chatting with you is a complete honor. So thank Great you so much here. for giving me some of your time. This was an absolute pleasure. And hey, maybe I'll circle around with you and, you know, down the road and we'll chat again. So absolutely. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Ladies Jeff. and gentlemen, Dennis House, WTNH uh, News 8. You can catch him at 6 and 11 o'clock. He's the man, the myth, the legend, everything. <laughs> he's, he's incredible. Uh, and thank you so much, friend. Have a great night. Huge thanks once again to my guest on the podcast today, the great Dennis House. Thank you so much, Dennis, for having me by the WTNH studios. I had a blast getting to chat with you, as well as meeting the legendary Ann Nyberg and Joe Fury. I wish you nothing but the best in your continued endeavors. Thank you so much for all you do, bringing us the news here in the state. And as I like to say, onward and upward, my friend. Yet again, another episode of Sweeten Up is in the books. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate your feedback and support. Thank you as always to my best friends, the guys who make it all possible, post-production and music, Morgan Lutzi, production and art director, Kurt Vinci, editor and writer, Nick Passacreta, and a special thanks as always to Devin Sapelli. Next time on Sweeten Up Podcast, we chat with an extremely interesting gentleman who not only is working behind the scenes, making people laugh with comedian Donnell Rawlings from The Chappelle Show, but was also in the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, among so many other things. The wonderful Andy Singer joins the show. But until then, you know the deal. Stay safe, stay healthy, love you all. Peace.